God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, wow, well, everything we've been saying up to this point seems to be coming true. And and uh, I'm pretty proud of our track record. But, you know, this whole vaccine uh, passport lending itself to the social credit score system is one thing. But the Ministry of Information is another. Um, We just learned yesterday about the, uh, you know, the Ministry of Information. And it's disheartening to say the least. And the timing is suspicious, isn't it? So the Biden administration's news are to combat disinformation has a history of sharing misleading claims about British ex-spy Christopher Steele's discredited dossier and downplaying controversy embroiling President Joe Biden's son, of course, Hunter, Nina Jankowicz, who was a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center, radically left-wing kind of deal, uh, very neoconish, um, oriented uh pro it seems to be pro war wilson center uh it's a washington swamp think tank and advisor to the ukrainian foreign minister as part of the fulbright public policy fellowship so she has a degree from georgetown georgetown and george washington university and the wilson center and all of these different governmental and Washington, D.C. departments, agencies, think tanks, all generate the same kind of bull. So the National Pulse put this out. Ministry of Truth, Joe Biden's new disinformation board, of director, board director, is a Ukrainian government advisor who is pleased by the censorship of Joe 
uh, of Hunter Biden's hard drive. While participating in U.S. congressional hearings, Yankovic dismissed documented links, links between Ukrainian energy company Burisma and the Biden family while calling for an increase in federally funded media outlets and an oversight agency of social media platforms. She prescribed the well-documented business ties by, uh, ties between the first son and Burisma as perhaps the most well-known example of information laundering and unsubstantiated and misleading. It was paid for by Hillary Clinton, and it was... Uh, it was um, a, a hoax by Perkins Coe, uh, Perkins Coe, Mark Elias, the guy who helped rig the election, who's wiped his Twitter clean. We reported that yesterday. Mark Elias, we've talked about Mark Elias quite a bit. And Mark Elias was one of the central players for uh, central attorneys or players for Perkins Coe, who was paying CrowdStrike to so supposedly hack into the DNC server and try to sell the idea that the DNC server had Russian connections. But it was all bull because it's so easy to mimic code with a blueprint or a footprint that would indicate where the origin's from. It's easy to do that. And... And then they were working with Fusion GPS and Greg Simpson. Don't forget about Nellie Orr and Bruce Orr, the the Department of the corrupt Department of Justice, the hit job that they did on General Flynn. And General Flynn, you know, of course, hired Eric Holder's attorney uh, law firm to get himself out of that jam. And Sidney Powell wrote a book glowingly praising Emmett Sullivan. So I don't know what. The, who to believe anymore, right? You know, because the smart, smartest uh, tool in the shed, uh, sharpest tool in the shed, smart, but I'm calling it a tool, is the person that finds himself alone with two rogue FBI agents that just so happens to prevent Donald Trump from actually releasing the crimes that were committed by the Obama administration, which was what that ruse was all about. It was a fix. It was exactly the plan that was used in Watergate. It was exactly that plan where the cover-up is worse than the crime. So they commit the crime, and then they they try to get you on the cover-up. And Trump has been on record so many times as saying, I choose not to get involved. I choose not to get involved because the cover-up, one thing I learned about Watergate is the cover-up is worse than the crime. It was an entrapment, a setup. It was like taking an alcoholic and putting them in a room with, and locking, and locking them in a room and turning the key and having nothing but alcohol there. You know, I mean, it's just one of these things where they thought that Trump was stupid enough but they were wrong. Trump was smart. And it was the FBI agents, just like Mark felt in Watergate, deep throat. It was the FBI agents that were colluding with the circular reporting and the disinformation 
coming out of Washington Post, Woodward and Bernstein, smear merchants and liars and deceitful people that were part of a coup to throw overthrow a government. It was Mark Felt that was the one that was spying and wiretapping the Black Panthers and the Weather Underground because his daughter was hooked up in it on LSD. And he wanted to keep tabs on it. And he's found guilty of it. So it's the same playbook. And the person that was on the Watergate Commission, Hillary Clinton, was also, she was fired from that, but she was on it. Was the same exact person understood that playbook, took that to a new level in 2020 or 2016, and financed that same playbook in a modern day scenario against Trump. And now we have the grand poobah of election rigging working with the same list of characters Jake Sullivan, Mark Elias, all these different characters are in the Biden administration. And Biden, not only is he putting out a transportation czar that's connected with Chinese slave labor and endorsed companies that support the slave labor of the Uyghurs, but now we got this we got this Jankowicz character. And that's pretty sad news. So Nina Jankowicz. So she's on record as casting or dispelling or, or, or not dispelling, casting disinformation. And yet she's going to be in charge. She's going to be in charge of the whole doggone thing. And that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty sad news. Meanwhile, we have a world economy that's collapsing. Our GDP went negative 1.4. We're at the precipice of a recession. Meanwhile, China's economy is growing at a rate of 4.8% and going upwards. It's topping expectations. Whereas with the Biden administration, we're reducing the expectations. So there's that. Take a listen to this globalist. And then we have clips uh, from Mayorkas, not only with the border wall. We played a really great clip yesterday by uh, Clay Higgins, uh, Congressman Higgins. But listen to this, uh, this person speaking, frankly. And he's uh, got a head wrap on. He's got a full beard. He looks like he could be from, like, India or somewhere like that. And he's talking to a guy in a suit with a little lapel button. And it's in front of the World Economic Forum, where where uh, Klaus Schwab uh, runs the show, a globalist. It's all globalist utopia. Talking about population. And remember, Elon Musk, he actually supports population growth. And he thinks that the biggest threat to our existence is population uh, being too small, not too large. But the globalists and the climate initiators, the climate people, regulators, uh, 
They think that the population's growing too fast and they want to shrink it. And I'm just going to say, how do you propose to shrink it? How do you do that? How do you propose to shrink the population without killing people? Well, we heard Bill Gates go on and say death panels. We heard him say death panels. We, we also heard him say reproductive services, which is abortions. We know that there's global funds through the NIAID, through Fauci's organization. We know that he's been financing global abortions through the USAID funds. But there's more. There's death panels and socialized medicine. Every socialized country, even Canada, run by Trudeau, and um, all through Europe, they want to control your health. They want to control how long you have to live. Our FDA, Rahm Emanuel's brother, Zeke Emanuel, said people shouldn't be living past 75 years. We should have a cutoff rate. I think he's about 75. We should start with him. And starting with him, speaking of starting with him, we should start with this character that we're about to play We should start with this guy. This guy says so cavalierly laughing as he talks eugenics and genocide in coded language. He says, they want more souls and I want less on the planet. Ha ha ha. Why don't we start with he and his family? Why don't we start with him and his family? Huh? We'll start right now with you to get rid of this population. How about that? Now, he's not laughing now, is he? But see, these globalists know that it's not going to be them. They know that it's going to be you. So let's take a listen to this very short clip. It's 27 seconds. So in the session we just attended here at the Economic Forum, I think there was a sense of relief, actually, in your frankness. Um, you brought up some issues that, that others are really That's my to trouble. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All the religious groups are against me because I'm talking about population. They want more souls. I want less on the planet. <laughs> What is so funny about that? What is so funny about that? Oh my God, I can't believe it's right in front of us and we can't do anything about it. What could we do about it? The World Economic Forum, right there. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're saying. They're so academic about it. They're so cavalier about it. They just move and people around like they're nothing. You know, Larry Fink, we played that clip from BlackRock. We, want, we need to control behaviors. We, we need our companies to control behavior. They just say it so cavalierly. And you take a listen to it and you say, okay, you know, you, 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 uh, they're just so out of touch. They're out of touch in every way. You know, there's the um, um, there's that clip I played for you that uh, was with regard to MSNBC, and MSNBC was just so out of touch with the idea 
that somehow Elon Musk could actually control the strings of algorithms to actually impact the outcome of an election and we would never know it, right? This is how out of touch they are. Let's take a listen. Or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Yeah, welcome to our world. We've been dealing with this world for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I would say censorship's been going on for a lot longer than that, really. And yet still, you know, these people are listening. How about this one? This is Joe Biden talking cavalierly about your children not being your children. ...public in the world. Have our students gain confidence enough to know what they can do, to reach in. We have an obligation. We have an obligation to help them teach and reach their potential. Listen to this. You've heard me say it many times about Listen. our children, but it's true. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. You represent a profession that helps them gain the confidence. So they're, they're not somebody else's children. They're your children. And he says it with this spooky voice, almost like as if he's in Jonestown gaslighting his flock to drink the juice. It's absolutely absurd. And uh, I want to play this Tucker clip rhyme right here. Rhyme very well. Rhyme very well. Right Let's take a look. Listen, he talks well, about Nina Jankowicz, Jan- okay? And this is just a good little part of a nine and a half minute or 10 minute clip. We're not going to play the whole 10 minutes. We're just going to play a fraction of it because we have other audio clips from Jim Jordan, um, uh, Congressman Massey. Uh, Congressman Gates that we're going to be playing today. So we have a lot of clips that we want to get through. Uh, So we're going to be short with this Tucker clip, but he's going to be talking here about um, this uh, Nina Janowitz. Janowitz can do her one skill. The purpose for which she was hired is level partisan attacks on the other side with maximum ferocity. That is her real job. Now, you may have noticed if you listen carefully to the Diddy Dashita saying that every example of disinformation in her karaoke performance came from people who opposed Joe Biden's policies. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> Probably not. In fact, we know it's not because Anina Jankowicz is telling all the disinformation is on the other side of the political divide. Listen. Most of the disinformation that we've seen, this highly emotionally manipulative content, is coming from the right. If you look at the top 10, you know, most engaged with posts on Facebook or Twitter on a given day, uh, they are usually posts that are coming from the right. And that's because the right does deal on this highly emotional rhetoric. <laughs> You'd have to live in a self-awareness-free vacuum. You might even have to go to Georgetown University to utter a sentence like that. The right deals in this highly emotional rhetoric, (laughs) says Nina Jankowitz. 
Now, it's worth noting here, because we can't resist, that this very same Nina Jankiewicz once wrote an entire book about how women can't use the Internet because it's just too upsetting for them. They're too fragile to read words they disagree with. It makes them faint. Here's a direct quote from Nina Jankiewicz's book. Quote, to be a woman online is an inherently dangerous act. <laughs> Keep in mind, if you're a lady and you were to, I don't know, order Uber Eats, you're exposing yourself to danger. This is the same woman, Nina Jankowitz, telling you that it's the right that uses emotional rhetoric. <laughs> now, to be fair, Nina Jankowitz probably didn't expect a lot of people to read that in her book because no one read her book. It has a total of two reviews on Amazon. But we did read it. We'll get in a moment to what we found because it tells you exactly what we can expect from our new Ministry of Truth under Nina Jankowitz. So how to be a woman online. But yet, here's the thing. That's the name of that book, right? I, I don't recommend it. But she supports the judge that can't even define what a woman is, right? I'm not a biologist. I can't, I can't define it. So it just, it's, uh, it's absolutely absurd uh, what's going on in America today. And think about it. Again, because all politics is local. And I say this all the time, but we really need to get, we need, we, it's like a multi-level marketing scheme. It's like, uh, you know, Amway or something like that. If you get to be a seller for something, one of those groups, they're depending on you to touch the lives of the people in your family and your friends. That's how Amway does it, right? That's the whole multi-level marketing scheme. They figure you might not be able to sell, but at least you could sell to your immediate family and your friends. And they look at that uh, seller as a pawn in a lot of ways to do that. Now, some who are entre uh, uh, enterprising people, aggressive, they can expand outside of that and be successful with those things. And I'm not knocking it really, but what I am saying is politics works the same way. And if you think about, you know, how divisive this is, what they're trying to do, they're trying to divide us. But they're not just trying to divide us, they're trying to distract us. They're trying to distract us, folks. And this is concerning because what are they up to next? Just like this whole thing, I just read this... Um, you know, Dr. Fauci declared that we're post-pandemic. Well, he changed his mind. If you go over to the Gateway Pundit, his top story there says, Dr. Fauci walks back COVID comments, says pandemic not over in the U.S. after White House sets him straight. Well, now Mayorkas has already, um, you know, spoken on Capitol Hill, and we're going to listen to a lot of his commentary uh, against uh, a lot of this um, distraction because while you're looking at the shell game, you're looking at the ball over here, the shiny object. I mean, there's a war going on in Ukraine. There's inflation going through the roof. We're at the precipice of a recession. Our GDP dropped one minus negative, negative 1.4% in the first quarter of this year. And they keep lying to us. And all of a sudden, Elon Musk buys Twitter 
and Truth Social is is jacked up and going through the roof, and everybody's loving it. And if you want to follow me, I'm Scott a- at Scott Adams Show, at Scott Adams Show, on all the platforms: Getter, Truth Social, and and uh, of course Twitter. And so you know, give me a follow. Let me know that you heard me on the show or whatever. You can send me a note. Um, I'd be happy to hear from you. But uh, just so happens that now that we have these three big platforms that are embracing free speech, and I, you know, two weeks ago we we thought it was only going to be Getter and Truth Social that were going to be chipping away and competing against, you know, against uh, Twitter. But it turns out now that Twitter said, you know what? We see defeat. We are waving the white flag. So rather than fight them on something that we don't even believe in ourselves, censorship, nobody could possibly inherently believe in censorship. Everybody has to know that that's wrong. So Twitter's position was sort of like when Trump picked Juan Guardo in in Venezuela as the new leader of Venezuela, even though Maduro cheated and rigged the election using Dominion voting machines, no less. And so Maduro kept his reign, his power structure in place and, and still is the dictator of that country in South America. But by Trump supporting so quickly Juan Guardo, what ended up happening is the squad had to support Maduro. And of course, that was a great play by Trump and a loser for the squad. So you support a communist dictator. Okay, great. And that's kind of what the Democrats want us to do with Ukraine. They want us to support you know, Putin, who's a, who's a maniac. Right? They want us to support this guy. Putin is an evil guy. They want us to jump on the Putin train because they know that we'll lose. And that might even help them in the election. They support Putin. And of course, my position on this was, I neither support Putin nor the globalist regime. The globalists, which right now, one of the poster child people, you know, the face of the globalism today is Zelensky. But he's as corrupt as them all. And nobody has hurt my life worse. If you were to ask me, who has hurt my life worse? Is it Putin or is it the globalists? And I'd say it's the globalists. The globalists like Justin Trudeau step on people's faces with horses and seize their bank accounts if they protest or honk their horn too loud. Or the protests like the Biden regime that has people rotting in jail in Washington, D.C. over the J6 protest. I was just over the weekend in Philly talking with friends who were there, and they, you know, they're still talking about what a ruse this was, what an inside job this was, what an infiltration this was by the FBI and, and, and the like. There's no secret to the people that were there what was going on there. Something else was going on. It was it was a government operation. 
that Nancy Pelosi was involved with. And yet she spearheads the investigation. Just like everybody sort of knows. And this disinformation is about to quiet this stuff, right? That's what it's about. This disinformation, this truth police, is all about denying the truth, not finding the truth. And these Democrats that we live among, our friends are supporting this censorship. And it's absolutely absurd. They're supporting the censorship. But Twitter knew that they were going to lose that battle against Truth Social and Getter. They knew it. They knew that their stock was going to crumble. And let's face it. I mean, Getter and Truth Social are very Twitter-esque. It's not Facebook-esque. And so Elon Musk saw an opportunity there and said, we're the big kahuna right now. All we got to do is be a free speech platform. Whether he believes it or not, I don't even know. I know that he's a a bit of a liberal. I know he's he's about green energy and climate because he's got these electric cars and it's good for his business. I know all that. So he's torn and it's it's to to wonder what's going to happen. And we'll see what's going to happen. But we need to be very, very aware. But right now, because of Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social emerging as a free speech platform, now the government's going to get involved. And Elon Musk even tweeted out that he, he finds it disconcerting. He tweeted that out. It's disconcerting. So, critics slammed timing of Biden's Ministry of Truth to police internet for disinformation. The timing is suspicious. Wouldn't you say? I'd say. I would agree with that. And then the same thing with Dr. Fauci. So, the pandemic's over, but the pandemic's not over. This is all about the election of 2022. It's all about the the fact that they know that Hunter Biden's narrative is going to escalate. They want to quiet that. And the person that's in charge of that is the person that already advocated quieting the Hunter Biden story. And what they're going to try to do is spin it as this was hacked information. We, we don't endorse hacked information. That's how they're going to spin it. So Dr. Fauci walked back his comments on the China coronavirus and said that the pandemic is not over in the U.S. Dr. Fauci on Tuesday told PBS Judy Woodruff that the U.S. is out of the pandemic phase. But then he changed his mind. Of course he did. To support the globalists. And we just played those two clips. The clips were Joe Biden saying that your children are not your children when they're at school. They're, they belong to the teacher. Of course, that's ridiculous. Check that off the box. And then we got this guy from India in front of the World Economic Forum laughing about how to shrink the population. He wants to shrink it. Other people want to grow it. And so Cavalieri, literally, he's talking about genocide and eugenics, picking and choosing who he wants to survive and who he doesn't. It's absolutely ridiculous. My getter uh, thing is, uh, 
ringing off the hook. Every time I announce um, my social media, people um, really do engage with it. Um, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of uh, thank you <laughs> for that. That's interesting. Um, but my watch was just vibrating off the hook, and it was a little distracting. But uh, in any case, I, I got some really great clips for you here today. And uh, we're going to start with represent my favorite, one of my favorite congressmen, Representative Jim Jordan. Let's take a listen. Our country last July, that record was Jordan. Secretary, have you done anything right? When it comes to our border, have you done anything right? Record number last July, record number of illegal migrants coming into our country last July. That record was jo- just broken last month, and next month you're going to make it worse. Agents... Agents turning their back on you when you speak. Agents on video on horseback patrol doing their job. Democrats call them racist. You guys throw them under the bus. Fentanyl coming across our, our border like we've never seen before. Are you doing anything right when it comes to the border? Oh, Congressman, so you mentioned uh, I've done a, a tremendous number of things uh, correct and of which I am very proud. And let me just pick up on one element of your question, and that's the element of fentanyl. Uh, because the effort to smuggle fentanyl uh, into our country actually um, comes through the ports of entry. And we have increased the interdiction uh, of fentanyl uh, by quite a significant amount uh, through well, we the have, devotion we of that. technological We appreciate that. And uh, other, I, I think I, there are lots I, of families who have been impacted by this drug. It would have a different take on that. But we appreciate what you are doing at the, at the ports of entry. That doesn't take into account what's happening outside the port of, ports of entry. Let me just ask you this question, because this gets to the numbers and the records that you have broken month after month after month after month, five months in a row. And then, of course, that record was just broken last month. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, your actions and your policies are encouraging migrants to come to the border. Moratorium on deportations was announced on day one by President Biden. You've ended Remain in Mexico. You've ended agreements with Northern Triangle countries. You've stopped building the wall. And in 25 days, Title 42 goes away. Do you think that's encouraging people to come to the border? Uh, uh, Congressman, uh, the, um, the increase at the border is the result of a number of factors, and it's a regional phenomenon. Maybe a number I of factors. I'm asking about those specific factors, your actions, your policies. I, I do not. I, I you think don't? That I think that individuals... Come on, come on. You went to Berkeley, you went to Loyola, you're no dummy. You, you, you understand, the, the folks I represent, good people, they understand that when you put those kind of policies in place, that encourages, incentivizes people to come. And I haven't even talked about the biggest incentive, Mr. Secretary. The biggest incentive for people to come is they know they're going to get released. You're going to let them go. Come to America illegally. There's no wall to stop you. We won't deport you. You won't have to stay in Mexico while we check you out, and you'll get released to wherever you want to go. We'll put you on a bus. We'll put you on a plane. Now, you may have to fly in the middle of the night because we don't want the American taxpayers who are paying for this. We don't want them to know where you're going and that we're doing this. And, of course, when they get there, I mean, this is just so common sense. Again, the folks I get the privilege of representing understand that when they get there, you know what they're going to do? They're going to get on their phone. may not be the phone you gave them, but they're going to get on their phone and they're going to call back home and they'll say, hey, come to America. My orcas is letting you in. But they, they won't even call. They'll probably FaceTime. Hey, look, I made it. Show it around. That's what they're going to do. That's what your policies have incentivized. And the part that bugs me is that 
That is so unfair to the American taxpayer and the American citizen. And maybe most importantly, Mr. Secretary, I think that's unfair to the people who came here legally, the people, the immigrants who did it the right way. I think it's unfair to them. I think it's spitting in their face. Your policies, your policies are driving this influx. We have seen the record after record. Ranking member uh, Jordan, can I um, answer your question? So I just pause. Because I, um, uh, I want to speak of uh, one success. But first, I'll return very quickly to the issue of fentanyl and opioid um, overdose deaths. Uh, in 2020, there were approximately 50% more opioid deaths in this uh, country than over 2019. 2020 versus 2019. The scourge of illegal drugs in this country. Let me ask you this. Something you can, I mean, look, we, uh, look I want you to, so, want you, I want so, you to answer the question of your actions and your policies so, are driving and incentivizing people so let to me come. Give you, people let me with give common you. sense know that, that they are. Let me ask you this. Do you think when you release 836,225 uh, illegal immigrants into our country, do you think that that is actually accomplishing the objective of the cartels? These people pay the cartels money to get here, pay them lots of money, for them lots of money, to get here, and then you're actually releasing them. Isn't that sort of accomplishing the objective of the cartels? Uh, 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 Congressman, those are individuals who have claimed asylum under the, our laws. Let me speak of one success since I didn't have an opportunity to answer your question. In 2010, when I was in the Department of Homeland Security, um, I was told that one of the infirmities in our system is it takes six to eight years between the time of encounter at the border and the time of a final adjudication of an asylum claim. That was in 2010. Nothing was done to address that until this administration. We promised. As Mr. Gates pointed out, Mr. Secretary, 1.2 million of them went through that process. They're supposed to be removed, and you're not doing it. We promulgated an asylum. And you're not doing it. We promulgated an asylum officer rule that is taking effect. At the end of May, let me ask you we'll one last thing. Forty-two illegal, forty-two illegal uh, immigrants were uh, encountered at our border or on the terrorist and no-fly list. Are any of them still in the our country? Gentleman's time has expired. This is an important question for this committee. Are any of them still in our country, Congressman? I will um, deliver to you a response with respect. No, to no, no. That's a simple question. Are terrorists on people on the terrorist watch list, no-fly list? Are they still in the United States that you've encountered on the border? Congressman, some of them may be still in detention. So I will. Have any I of them been released? You. Have the any of them been released? Time has expired. This is the critical for the. Con- you got forty-two. I just woman, have they been released? The can you can, can, will the gentleman answer that question, Congressman? Thank I will you. provide you with. The Thank you, Madam Chair. They may have been Chair. released. Thank you, Madam Chair, Ranking Member. I th- believe it is my time. Madam Chair, if I could just one second. I'm no, sorry. No, the I, gentleman's time has expired. We, we want to know if terrorists, people on the terrorist watch list, have any of them been released, Mr. and he Secretary, won't answer that question. It is Mr. Jordan, it is my time. But this is about people. It is my time. That's a pretty important question. That's a pretty important question. Thank you. I can't believe the majority doesn't want to know the answer to that question. Madam Chair, point of order. Wow. (laughs) You got to love Jim Jordan. Let's take a listen to Matt Gates. He's another, uh, he gave another great uh, set of questions. million people are undetained, free, roaming about the country. They've gone before a judge. A judge has issued a final order of removal. How many ICE agents do you need to deport them? Um, Congressman, I think um, uh, what we need is legislation to fix a broken immigration system. Because well, let well, me, you don't need can, legislation to overcome we, a final order of removal, right? 
look, I get it. You want comprehensive immigration reform and a big amnesty thing. Very unlikely that's going to happen. So we have to operate under the laws that exist now. So under the laws that exist now, a judge has told 1.2 million people that they have no right to be here. Do you plan to remove those 1.2 million people? Um, uh, Congressman, with the resources we have, and I would appreciate the opportunity to answer your question fully, with the resources we have, we have to allocate those resources. How, how much money do you need to deport all of them? How to, much money? To, to, how many agents? To, to, to um, deport the 1.2 million who a judge has said has no right to be here. Uh, uh, Congressman, uh, the que- there are a number of questions that your question uh, raises with respect to whether uh, all of those individuals actually have been given uh, due process. No, 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 no they have. They, yes, because these are the people who've had the due process, okay? And here's the point. You have no plan to remove them. You don't know how many ICE agents it would take, and you don't know how much money it would take, because you actually don't want to remove them. That's why you issued the September 30th guidance that says, well, you know, if you haven't committed a crime and you just came to our country illegally, we're not going to remove you. Isn't that your position? Uh, No, it isn't, Congressman. Not at all. Then then what is your plan to remove the 1.2 million? Let me, if if I may. Do you have one? Yes, yes, we do. If if I may, Congressman. As a former prosecutor, let me ask you a question. If one has a finite uh, amount of resources and one has a finite number of hours and one has a choice of removing 20 shoplifters or three um, uh, fugitive armed bank robbers, how would you spend your time? Well, I know how you've spent yours. I know how you've spent yours by by decreasing by 48% the number of criminals you arrest, by deporting 63% fewer convicted criminals. You have the lowest deportation rate in the history of the department, right? Your data that you cite is misleading. No, it's your data. This is actually what your own agency is reporting. So do you think that it just might be the case that one reason that we will encounter the highest number of illegal immigrations in our nation's history this month and next month because everybody knows that even if they come here, even if they go through the removal procedures, even if a judge issues a final order, you still think there might be more due process and you have no plan to remove them. And then when I ask you what the plan is, you say, oh, well, resources, i got to make finite decisions. I go back to my first question. How many ICE agents to remove the 1.2 million? Um, Congressman, I'd be pleased to provide you with a resourcing uh, data subsequent to this hearing, if I may. And I think it's I telling speak. that you, I, I think it's if, telling that you got plans for pronouns and you got plans for misinformation. But when it comes to the plan to remove the people that have had due process, you don't have one at all. Now, eight hundred thousand people have encountered your CBP agents, and those folks have been released into the country. Like some of those people are going to commit crimes, aren't they? Uh, Congressman, uh, may I have a moment to answer your questions? Will some of the 800,000 commit crimes, yes or no? Uh, Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And so the Americans who are the victims of the crimes for the people that you release in the country are collateral damage that you are willing to accept in order to have our border function as a turnstile. You're willing to accept that collateral damage. Congressman, I couldn't disagree with you more. Uh, let me let me give you, if I can, some data uh, that will actually well, more than the data. How about this? Well, how did it how did it feel to you when you went to the border and the border patrol agents turned their back on you? Uh, one uh, border patrol agent uh, turned his back on me, and I addressed that as uh, was only the leader one? the leader of the Department of Homeland Security. So, if I can return to data, because I want to um, 
we make see sure the data. that you have accurate information. Everyone knows that you have more people coming in than ever, and you're removing fewer people than ever, and it's because you have no plan and because it's on purpose. See, I don't buy the theory that you don't know how to do this. I think you're actually a highly competent dude. But the reality is your plan is to bring these people in and to send the message to the smugglers and the criminals that they will never have to leave. That's why your workforce turns their back on you. And you have tools that you could use to deport these people. You have facial recognition. You have flights going all over the country dropping people off. And I think we ought to use the best tools in the country to find these folks, round them up like they were at the Capitol on January 6th, and deport every last one of them. Yeah, and you know, I'd also say walls work, right? Walls definitely work. There's just no doubt about it. They work. One of my favorite congressmen is Congressman Representative uh, Congressman Thomas Massey. And, um, yeah, where is he? What state is he from? Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky 4th District. Uh, I really like this guy. And uh, let's take a listen to his exchange with uh, Mayorkas. This is actually a fairly short exchange. Um, Let's take a listen to this. Uh, Matt Gates, my colleague, asked you, will some of the 800,000 migrants that DHS has released into the United States since you've been in this position uh, commit a crime? Do you remember what your answer was? I, I believe I said to Congressman Gates that some very well might. You said undoubtedly. Um, how many of those are going to commit a rape? Congressman, um, there are... Uh, how, individuals. How many uh, of those are going to commit a murder? There are. There are indivi- You are speaking of individuals who are making a claim for humanitarian relief. How many gotaways made it across the border, their, according to from your estimates from DHS? Congressman, various people. Can I, can I answer no, your no, question? we got to. How many? I asked you the question. How many of are, those are going to commit rape, murder, uh, armed robbery, or molest a child? How many of the eight hundred thousand? that you have released in here, that you told my colleague will undoubtedly commit a crime, and you've just characterized the types of crimes they're going to commit. You're bragging on how many of you have arrested, but how many of you are not arrested? And by the way, I want a very specific answer to this. Were those crimes committed in in another country, or were those crimes committed in the United States? Congressman, Were those um, crimes committed... In the you United are, States or another country? You are describing individuals who are seeking asylum in our country as a, with a broad brush. Okay, who were you describing? I, let, me, let me give you a chance. Who were you I, describing when you mentioned that you've arrested murderers, rapists, armed robbers, and child molesters? Were they seeking asylum? Congressman, uh, those individuals um, are arrested, detained. How did they get here? From the United How States. How did they get here? Um, Congressman, they were encountered at... Do you have operational control of the border? I've answered that question a number of times. and Yes, we do. How many people are are coming across every day that you can't control? Uh, Congressman, I can give you that number if you'd like. Wouldn't it be better for the United States if we didn't allow these felons to come into the country? If we didn't give them a chance to commit murders, rapes, Child molestation and armed robbery. Time you just told us today. The time of the gentleman is expired. you arrest these very time people of the for these crimes. Well, it turns out that Trump was right. Rapists, murderers, drug dealers come through, and some are good people. 
Trump said that in front of an escalator when he announced his candidacy to run for president. And he was chastised and ridiculed and thrown under the bus by the Washington elite to the point where Chuck Schumer said the intelligence agencies have six ways till Sunday to ruin your life. And he was on tape saying that. And of course, they went after his presidency. What? Who's in charge of this country? You know, who pays their salaries? Right? I mean, these spooks and these clowns that are in Washington, D.C., getting paid by taxpayer dollars, have no business whatsoever fighting the people that pay their salaries and send their children to school. So here's one. I don't know the name of the congressman that's in, um, and it's not available to me. But it says here, um, I recognize him, but uh, he says, Black Lives Matter is not a domestic terrorist organization, according to DHS Secretary Mayorkas. This Marcus's group, they like to call themselves Black Lives Matter. It's nothing but for their mentality. If they cared about black lives, they wouldn't be embracing Marxism. Not quoting me accurately and precision as I watched the video. I am. Domestic violent extremism is the greatest terrorism related threat. Okay, so the greatest terrorism threat. Do you include Black Lives Matter and Antifa in that definition? Uh, uh, Congressman, I do not consider Black Lives Matter. So the riots that we saw over the summer of 2020 and the killing of David Dorn by an Antifa member, that wasn't domestic terror? Uh, 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 Congressman, it is not uh, in my province to to address a particular case. Okay, uh, well, what about the the riots at the Department of the Interior right here in Washington, D.C. by a leftist environmental group? Not quoting me. Yeah, what about that? Yeah. No, he doesn't get to consider Black Lives Matter that. And then uh, last but not least, we have Chip Roy. Let's take a listen to this. If we double, triple, quadruple the CBP budget, would that one million release go down? And they categorically said no, it would go up. Do you agree, yes or no? I'm not sure I understand your question, Congressman. With the addition... With the number of people being released in the United States under current law, would it go down no matter how much you increased your budget? Um, uh, and it would not. As they said, do you agree, yes or no? Congressman, if I understand your question correctly, when individuals are in the United States and they make a claim right. for so asylum... The number would not go down, is the answer, right? Yes or no? That's what they said, and I think you just answered it. It would not go down. Um, the only plan that you offer, the plan you just offered, is to process aliens faster and encourage more to come. We know that to be true. I know it's true. You know it's true. Cartels know it's true. And people around the world know it's true. And that's why people are coming. That is false. The secure, it's not false. Yes, it the is. The entirety of your plan says that. The Secure Fence Act of 2006 says what? That the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary determines necessary to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational are, control of the borders. Yes, we do. And, Congressman, and we are testified. working to... What's in- what operational control defined? 
In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? Thank you, and Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing in 2020 and in it, 2019. The, 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 well, the secretary would have at least had a basis for saying that we have some sort of control of the border. But the fact is, we currently have people flowing across the border, including dangerous <laughs> narcotics and dangerous members of terrorists, which your own agency sent a letter to my office after eight months. We sent a letter saying there are 42 people on the terrorist watch list that are in the United States. You just said to Mr. Jordan, you don't even know where the hell they are. And that's, that's what you're saying is operational control, including entries by terrorists and unlawful aliens. It's not. It's not operational control. Mr. Secretary, let me ask you a question. When we're looking ahead and we're talking about asylum, okay? Here, if the officer determines at the time of the interview that an alien has a credible fear of persecution, the alien shall be detained for further consideration. Mandatory detention. Any alien subject to the procedure under this clause shall be detained pending a final determination of credible fear of persecution. Or is everyone being detained? Yes or no? Uh, no, and as a matter of fact, uh, Congressman, that is an issue that is before the United States Supreme Court. And and the fact of the matter is our law the says they should be detained, and your agency is releasing people on purpose Con in order to flood the zone and make sure that more people can come to the United Con States. And you use parole to do it. Congressman, parole of aliens within the following groups have been retained. Come down here on a case-by-case -case basis for urgent humanitarian reasons or significant public benefit. Yet your office is using parole. But when you use parole, the fact is they're not showing back up to ICE. Your own letter to Senator Johnson, to this, uh, this committee, have acknowledged they're not showing back up to ICE. Yeah, well, how can you be saying that you have operational control or that we're securing the United States when they're not showing back up? Congressman, are you? Wow. <laughs> That's pretty crazy stuff, right? Obviously. And then they, they even talked about uh, disinformation, uh, the disinformation campaign, you know, the the truth police, uh, which DHS is in charge. This Mayorkas loser is in charge of that as well. Well, hey, you know, um, I just want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams show today. We're up against the, the time. But um, I wanted to say uh, also be sure to check out Magapac.org. Magapac.org is sponsoring Scott Adams Show and Red State Talk Radio, and we appreciate what they're doing. Uh, your donations over there at Magapac.org go a long way in helping uh, support America First policies to make America great again. That's their slogan. Also, if you're going to go over to MyPillow.com, be sure to use Red State as your promo code, Red State, and that helps this, this channel out as well. And... Um, also, uh, we are our new sponsor is My Patriot Supply. You can get the My Patriot Supply our page by going to MPS. That's My Patriot Supply MPS. com. Be sure to check out my Substack over at scottadamshow.substack.com and follow me on Scott Adams Show on all the social media platforms. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, buddy. Just to bury my kids right up to there.